0: All right, y'all, welcome to this episode of Getting My Cheese Back on My Cracker. I am Ashley of the Ashley Nicole.
1: And I'm Paige Benjamin. Hey. And I'm Julian Bevez.
2: <laughs> and I'm Antonio Young.
0: Nice to meet y'all. Tonight, we will talk about something that's personal to me and that I feel many people suffer from but may be too embarrassed to discuss. This is a conversation about battling the stigma of accepting mental illness, chasing a proper diagnosis, and dealing with this impact. We've already met our guests, but before we get into this discussion, I want to remind you to click that little subscribe button below and turn on the notifications to be notified each time we have a new show.
1: And don't forget to leave a good comment.
0: Yes, absolutely. Not only do we have this show, but we have our um, new series, uh, State of the Black Men's Mental Health, and we're launching our women's series, uh, The Wellness Collective. And trust, you do not want to miss either of these collections. conversations Paul cool. um we've met our guests um can you guys take a, mem- a minute to tell us a little bit about yourselves any particular orders
2: uh, go ahead Julian.
3: all right so I am a, a clinical psychologist and licensed mental health counselor um, currently out here serving our nation's veterans at the Manchester VA in New Hampshire and I'm happy to be here
2: and uh i'm an entrepreneur small business owner business manager, professional athletes soon to be nfl agent. hey awesome. big moves
1: awesome. congratulations sir oh. thank you thank you thank you appreciate it okay okay
0: all right it's so awesome to meet y'all um at the time of creating this discussion um after talking with multiple behavior health professionals for a proper diagnosis i still had to wait two weeks which turned into two months Um, to get answers as to why my brain wasn't working like it used to. The catalyst was that I misplaced my prescription while traveling. Um, In addition to that, it took almost a month for my insurance, my prescription provider, and the doctor to refill my meds. Have you personally been affected or seen someone close to you impacted by starting a medication or impacted by medication um, based on their diagnosis?
1: Yeah,
2: go ahead. Um, yeah, uh, I think that I think that with a lot of mental health situations uh, with medication, people are looking for an easy fix, they're looking for like instantaneous, like you take, the, you pop the pill and then you automatically get out of depression or anxiety and uh, not understanding that most, uh, most mental health medications are something that are taken over time. There's a lot of trial and error. So um, I've seen like the panic in the beginning. I've seen the doubt and the, well, I'm just, and then the scariest thing is like, well, I'm going to take it for a little while. If it doesn't work, I'm just going to throw it away, which is probably the most dangerous thing you can do. (laughs) So uh, I've I've definitely, I've definitely seen.
1: Yeah. And, you know, especially in creating this episode. So a little background is Ashley and I started work. So we started doing pre-production. I want to say what um, October ish. And, um, This is right after her trip to Kenya, Zanzibar, and Tanzania. And um, it just felt like, you know, I was offending her every time we would speak. And so I started to feel as though that um, things were just kind of off and, you know, we've had two great seasons of pre-production and being able to like gel very well. And it got to a point where I really felt like every time I said something, I was offending her, right? And once again, Ashley also, I mean, it's it's weird because we are talking about mental health. This is a show about being open. But, you know, it there was still the fear of, and I and I can't speak for Ashley. There was still that misinformation of, hey, guys, I've been off my meds for a while. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, as she'll put it, she was in a kind of manic state, like loss of concentration, just mood swings. Um, and these were her words, not my words, right? Um, and it was, it was getting to a point where I felt like every production call, we needed a mediator, right? Mm-hmm. And luckily we had the amazing Deb who was able to kind of like speak Purge and then speak, well, speak Purge slash page for those of you that know me differently um, and then speak Ashley and find a way for us to kind of like communicate and get the work done. Mm-hmm. Because I would say something and it would just seem like, I'm going against what she was trying to do and it wasn't until i, I want to say what um january right so we went through this for like a couple months and it wasn't until january she was like look um i just went to my doctor i realized i haven't been like communicating what i've been going mm-hmm. through and i realized one um i didn't realize the effect of not taking my meds so long and then two after going to my doctor i realized I was misdiagnosed in the first place mm-hmm. and so you know um one of the things that her medication was doing was before our our, our shows actually you were taking your medication and it was kind of making her drift right mm-hmm. and so um a lot of the times you know guests would say hey Paige, af- after the fact you should let ashley speak a little bit more not realizing it's like hey i'm trying to but the medication really had her in a groggy state yeah and having had that conversation, I was like, yo, would you be open and willing to kind of talk about this? Because one, if we can't be vulnerable to our audience about what we're experiencing, we're kind of become, the show becomes a farce, right? And so only do only when we put ourselves in a vulnerable state will others be willing and open to be in a vulnerable state. So that's kind of how this show came about for this episode. And we definitely appreciate you both for jumping on and kind of you know chiming in so yeah. um i think you had wow. something to say julian or mm-hmm. ashley
0: yeah i was going to say um i'm sorry julian for cutting in on you it was crazy because i can't remember i think this episode was supposed to be about something about blackness and blackness um <laughs> and it was this exact episode and i was like um you will say something and i'm like what and i'm trying to record it and i literally was like Page, I'm not mad at you. I'm not <laughs> mad. And then um, told you, and it's crazy because it was an accident that I even found out that I was misdiagnosed. I was actually trying not to pay the pet fee for my dog, and I um, did one of those online things to um, to get a, a emotional support animal letter. And they <laughs> sent the letter like within like five minutes, but then the lady was like, "We need to follow up with you. You may be manic." So then, it was a matter of like finding doctors and finding um, different things like that. Julian, we were talking before the show, and I know you have a lot to say about that. So I just want to segue into
1: sure.
3: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And and kind of like you, Paige. I was I was saying how there was a similar situation too, where uh, my wife she she's diagnosed with bipolar disorder, ADHD, um, and we had our ups and downs in trying to get the correct medication, um, trying to even get an evaluation. And uh, some things I was telling Ashley beforehand is, you know, um, a lot of people uh, suffer from misdiagnosis mainly because they're not getting any type of comprehensive evaluations. Uh, in the medical world, if there's an issue, you get a blood test and then we try to figure it out. In the mental health world, a lot of times, they're just like slapping labels on you, slapping medication, let's see what works. and. Uh, it's like, hello. How about we, you know, take this step by step, um, and that does a disservice to people. Like, like you're saying, Ashley, like it it does you a disservice because you're not getting the the adequate help that you need for for whatever it is that's going on to address your true issues.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think it's interesting that you say that because after that test, of course. In my mind, like I can help people, but I can't be the one with bipolar because I just started this organization and people are not going to trust the things that I'm saying. Paige ain't going to listen to me no more. Nobody's going to believe me because now I'm just a crazy person. So I'm doing all this research. I took like six different assessments on every psychology website. Like I can't be it. Then all of them, every last one, like back to back, like you may be manic, you may be manic. Mm -hmm. You may be hopeless. You may be manic. And I'm like, oh, god. Oh, goodness. My life is falling apart. And I was like, okay, so I have to deal with this. And so when I finally did get um, a psychiatrist, a Black, uh, she actually has ADHD. She's an ADHD um, uh, psychiatrist. She explained to me that, one, she's not going to prescribe me something until I'm actually diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And she explained to me who I need to talk to, what I need to request, what I need to do. I think that I had to take a test. I took five tests. One of them had 300 and something questions. I think that that's... A personality
3: that, assessment.
0: I think that's something that community people are overlooking. Um, we, we don't know what these diseases are because of the misconceptions that are out there. And then we just think that, oh, I fly off the handle. I must be bipolar. And that's... Uh-
3: um, Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I was going to so say off the handle.
1: Antonio's yeah. grown. <laughs> and, you Bro. know, for knowing Antonio, and, and you know, once again, um, I reached out to Antonio because, um, and then I apologize if I cut anybody off. Okay. You know, I've known this man for going on 15, 17. 17 years, and so seeing him from punching holes in a wall because he's just that fiercely frustrated I'm not your head bro (laughs) so now this super calm well not always calm but the calmer version of Antonio I think seeing the growth in a person from that point to this point I think to your point right it's like we have to figure out like what's what's triggering us what's causing those problems and then two how to properly release that frustration
2: so I, I know you
1: wanted
2: to talk. But... Oh, it, it was actually to the point. Something she was saying. Uh, I think one of the the hardest things, as even far as being uh, diagnosed, that I come into is that. Uh, how do I say this properly? It's hard to go into an office with a white dude in front of you, and discuss issues that you're going through because our I think the the experience of being a person of color in America is so unique that no matter how many years of PhDs they have, like. You can't really relate anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you. And then what happens is I feel like we get looped into these boxes with everyone else, with our peers, with our white peers. And that's not even really what we want anyway, because it's so layered and convoluted just the experience itself. So that is the problem that I and everybody. else. Yeah, man, maybe it it is funny because it's been lately. It's been like maybe three or four of my friends are looking for new therapists and psychs. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and the one thing we kept saying back and forth is like, yeah, where is all the black? mental health professionals at like you look i mean like you go online and you look and you go through and you're scrolling and you're like i don't know look like me anyway like yeah. i don't, don't want to go see zane i think
1: even julian mentioned i think during the men's conversation right was um i think it's like 40 percent of the therapists out there are black or right. people of color right mm-hmm. and it may be less than that um, it's 40%. yeah,
3: it's it's a it's a, a lot less than that. I don't have the specific information, but it's a
1: it's a lot less than that.
2: Forty percent is that's less a, less than forty. All right, I to like, can't be,
1: <laughs> <laughs> can't be forty percent. Like where are they at? So where? and and yeah, and like you know we have, but the thing is in in building this organization and doing some of our research, there are databases and resources now available to find people of color that are in you mm-hmm. know, the mental health space but the problem is if they're the head of the mental health space a lot of the times they have msw interns, right so you may see the face of the organization but the person you actually get may not be the person that is assigned to you for your intake and so unless you are like really specific i need a person of color to really be able to provide me these services you might run into someone outside of the demographics that you're looking for and i mean for me um I went from a male, a black male, to a Hispanic woman. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like the Hispanic woman kind of understood me a lot better, and the black male was kind of appeasing, sort of mm-hmm. speaking, right? Like I want to be held accountable for the things that I was going to therapy for, um, and I also felt like I wasn't being pushed enough, right? So I actively went and looked for a woman. Like So hopefully the entire organization were women, <laughs> hopefully they were people of color, <laughs> um, but But, you know, Ashley and I were like, wow, all of a sudden, like, Black therapists, um, what's the other one called? Um, Uh,
0: Melanin and mental health.
1: Melanin and mental health. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're trying to do with this show and with the nonprofit is really develop a directory where we can either find the databases for y'all or identify specific providers that is going to cater to our community. Because the last thing we want to do is provide a platform for us to talk. But then after we talk, then what? Like, yeah, like right, right. right. Yeah. And so the other piece of that is, all right, well, um, you like to work out, right? You go into a CrossFit gym. Well, wouldn't you like to go to an all-black CrossFit gym? Yeah. Right, because there are different things that a black CrossFit trainer would like suggest you do because our bodies move a little different, right, <laughs> versus everybody else. Uh, nutritionist, right? And you're going to cross your fit because you're trying to lose a little bit of weight, or you're just trying to stay shape. We eat a lot of junk on a regular basis. Why not have a nutritionist or uh, a healthy chef? Yeah. I'm going through that actually with Tobias.
2: Right. My (laughs) my non-black nutritionist that I paid all this money for that. I really just turned around and went to a black nutritionist in
1: like two seconds. I was like, dang, I gave you all this money. Right. (laughs) And so being able to, and and the thing is, it's like, you know, we, we talk about maintaining, protecting our peace, right? If you look at our logo, it's a puzzle, right? Mental health is just one aspect of it. There's the finance, there's the mm-hmm. health, there's the medicine, there's the, just your community. And being able to create one, this platform to build a community is one part of maintaining a peace. And the other aspect is finding other providers. Like if we could find um, people that, okay, well, Julian is licensed in Florida and New York, right, Julian?
3: No, just Florida right just now. Just Florida,
1: right? Mm-hmm. So are like, look, all our Florida visit watchers, look, if you need somebody to do telehealth or what might have you, you know, Julian might be your man or you might be able to find somebody else. And so to to dispel or to kind of, not dispel, to kind of like break that barrier to finding services, those are some of the things that we're definitely trying to do.
2: And, and I think that's because mental health barriers, I think are the, I think are the toughest to, to hop through to even get to that point. Because mm-hmm. first of all, I think if you're going through something, the first case, well, obviously is the, just the communal, uh, behind. Yeah. internally, mm-hmm. and so so you jump through that part, and then you get to the next part is like, okay, well, now that I got through this, is am I in denial about the things that I'm dealing with right? Well, maybe I don't even need it, and then it's like, well, I, I would really feel comfortable talking to someone that looks like me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you get to that hurdle and then it's almost like um it's almost like a, a a funnel right you know what i'm saying the, the top layer is just the is the is the bad internal communal mm-hmm. then the next is the denial of dealing with what you're dealing with and then it's finding someone that looks like you'd actually deal with it and then by that mm-hmm. time it almost cattle shoots to a point where you're like you almost give up maybe somewhere right it's way so way. hard it's so hard a layer, right? Right.
1: because yeah. you're forgetting one more layer so, Julian may be out of everybody in Florida's um, um, care plan, right? So, like, you got to make sure that the last piece is, I'm not, are you covered? Yeah. Because if you're not covered, most aren't. Listen, if you're <laughs> not covered, you 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 go through that funnel. All right, I got a thousand people. And then you said out of a thousand is less than, like, out of a hundred is less than 40. So, I'm down to, like, let's say 25 to 30 practitioners. Then I, I need to find somebody that's licensed in my state. Then I'm down to, like, Ten practitioners. I need to find somebody that takes Etna. I'm down to one, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't Bro, look like that one doesn't look like it. right. And right. Now, now I'm back at square one. Right, right. So. right. Yeah. And
2: and
3: you know what?
0: what? Another, another, well, another um thing that not only I do have a comment. I want to come back to this on the screen, but another thing that we kind of um I wouldn't say is ignorance. Is it's just that we don't know. Even when you sift through all of those people. You still got to find if you're um, if you're open to medication, you got to find who can write a prescription and who can't. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out who can do what types of therapy. When um when I was going through my diagnosis and I was talking with my psychiatrist um and then I met with my therapist and she asked what kind of therapy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. the Give me, man. I'm like, <laughs> what are you asking me this for? Right. Like, I'm here to talk. What are you asking me? So, I think um, another another branch of the organization is doing this: the education spiel, letting helping people know, helping people understand. Okay, once you once you get to where, okay, I, I need some help. I need to figure some things out. You got to figure out what you need to figure out, and that's the thing that that's a key piece that we're um we're missing. Um, Julian, you can go ahead with what you were going to say and then I want yeah, to...
3: Yeah, just to address a few things, I know the like the question is like, where is everyone, right? And I've noticed from, from my experience, uh, if we talk about master's level clinicians, a lot of master's level clinicians are in community mental health. Uh, they're underpaid, overworked, right? So they and they typically, a lot of them are unlicensed. And I've noticed that this cycle where these big organizations, they um they grab you know they they grab all of these therapists and they don't um they don't support them in becoming licensed and working independently so now they're stuck for years on end working in community mental health as an unlicensed therapist which is not it's you know it's a pre-licensed therapist let me say that not unlicensed but um there's no progression there so that's where I, that's why I think they all are um in terms of like doctoral level uh, providers psychologists I did a quick look up it's three uh, percent that are black three percent that are black as of 2019 uh seven percent uh Hispanic Latino wow. um so wow. and and at the doctoral le- the so you know I started out uh in the master's level as a as a uh, mental health and marriage and family counselor and then when I made that transition over to the doctoral level, um, there's <laughs> so many more barriers that you have to face and just nonsense that you have to deal with, and I can understand why no one would want to, you know, put up with that. So I think that that goes into those uh, those numbers, or the the very low numbers of that representation.
2: So you have a better chance of like getting in a car accident than finding someone that looks like Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, we gotta do better. <laughs> we yeah.
0: gotta do better. Man. Oh, man. Oh. Yes, indeed. I did wanna ask. So, the next question I have here is how do you think misdiagnosis affects this? But I also wanted to um, zoom in on Rhonda's mm-hmm. question about being afraid to get an actual diagnosis. I think this goes along with me, those like that, like week where I was like, I can't be bipolar because bipolar is this, and that's not me. Um. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can, aside from having these conversations, getting the education out there, um, how do you think we can combat that stigma of worrying about your mental health being in your medical records? Because your high blood pressure is in your medical records. Mm-hmm. All of your lumps and bumps are in your medical records. Your weight, your height, all of that is in your medical records. Why? How can we get the Black community to get past this particular thing, being in their records?
1: So. Right? i just want to jump in real quick mm-hmm. so there's so much already against us in the in the corporate environment in firms like we have to be 10 times better than our counterparts mm-hmm. and it's already if we're boisterous we're seen as that angry or that you know overpowering person to add the fact that you may have a mental you you have a mental disorder or a mental condition um it may i can see why people are fearful right because it's one of those where uh oh at any time antonio's gonna pop off mm-hmm. but it's like bruh, did have have you seen that from me now mm-hmm. on the flip side if somebody brings that out as a something in conversation they're in violation of your HIPAA viol- your HIPAA privacy mm-hmm. at, at the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the thing is even going into it is like, do you, you almost don't want to give them that ammunition. I kind of feel like it comes with a color of
2: pain anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, you can be zen all the time, cool, cool on the other side of the pillow, and because the way you look, it's an assumption. Like they're like, oh, he's big, black and burly. if i <laughs> if if i uh, if i if I drop something on his foot or something, he's gonna try to go upside my head. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of comes to the territory anyway. So I kind of feel like, and then we're in like in a wild societal place because I mean, I could freely say whatever right. all right and we're in a societal place where like white people in in major in like in in major society are making it. Uh, non-taboo where everyone's all in for mental health now right so because they're all in for mental health and everybody's all in for mental oh. health now it's thinking no i don't get it twisted it's good mm. i mean but like just you know like the issues we've dealt with forever and really everybody like yeah. even people like even my people dealt with forever have been considered have been minimized but now that it's like now it's grandstanding almost like mental health mental health is being pushed so hard that like maybe we're in a really good spot you yeah. know
3: I, th- I think, I think things are, I think, I really do think things are changing. And I want to like bring everyone's attention back to something Ashley said when she said, I can't be bipolar. I'm not one of those crazies, right? That's the connection that we make right away bipolar crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, you have the diagnosis, and this is no shade, but I really want to know do you know what bipolar disorder is?
0: Yeah. So, okay. um, that was part of that getting over, like, I can't, I'm not mm-hmm. crazy. I'm not bipolar. I mm-hmm. wouldn't the symptoms, I want to look up what exactly it is. And I'm reading, I'm like, this is every type A personality person that I know. People, um, high productive periods, um, not able to sleep. Um, calling Paige in the middle of the night to be like, I got three show I did do <laughs> um, You know, who so can do this, that, and the third. Right. Uh, what about this campaign? Do you have a TikTok? Like all of these things that I was doing um, all of these things, we're all doing this rising grind and um, everything grind culture, everything um, just being on all the time until you're off. I remember we had a meeting one time and I was um, who I can't even remember who I was talking to DJ D-Ray. I think it was Paige. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'll sleep when I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But it's been three days since. I slept before red night. Red flag, red flag. Right. It's like these little things, like I'm not thinking this is bipolar. I'm thinking right. sometimes I'm productive and sometimes I'm not. Um, we think that bipolar, I think um, I was watching a video. When people think of bipolar, they think of magnets and being repel repelling mm-hmm. their opposite poles, but that's not what the disease is. And, so now as a person with it, my job is not only to advocate mental health, but my I also have the added task of like, I'm not just bouncing off the wall, you guys. I'm just, we're, we're probably all some aspect um, dealing with some of these characteristics I and mean, you should probably look into it. Right.
3: There's
0: five tests you can take. So yeah.
1: to, to Ashley's point, there would be nights where, so we use Asana to manage all of our shows and all of our projects. I'll get like 100, 100 notifications. Ashley created this task for you. Ashley created this task for you. Ashley deleted this task. <laughs> Ashley marked this task as complete. And we're talking about like, now Ashley's two hours behind, an hour behind. So we're talking about midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, does she not sleep? And apparently she doesn't. And a, a lot of the times I just took it as, you know Ashley's trying to do the best to make this show the best but you know looking back and knowing what i know now i was like oh okay okay and you know once again knowing ashley she's done that a lot throughout the three years that we were working together so it's just been like all right this is just ashley but not realizing this is mm-hmm. maybe a flag hey i should have be like hey ashley are you okay what's going on mm-hmm. you know and that's kind of like A follow up, right? Is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do you best? So, in going through this with Ashley, right? One of the things that I struggled with was like, how do I address or Mm -hmm. acknowledge the behavior? behavior, Mm -hmm. Right? Because you don't like, you know, like I said earlier, we were going back and forth, and there were times where I'd, I'd just walk away from the conversation, and I know that's rude. But it was like, but it was like the I only mean the way, best thing at the time. Right. The best thing at the time to avoid me saying something or her saying something that would be offensive to each other. And that's not who we are. So mm-hmm. the best option would to be let's walk away and then come back at it with a clear head. So like what would be the best way to kind of address somebody in a manic state like that? um and and kind of make him feel talk comfortable talking about where they are and and because like it, it literally took ashley and i a moment of like look let's let's cut all the shit like what's really going on with you because this is not the ashley i knew two seasons ago
0: mm-hmm. and
1: she really had to be like all right i forgot you know I, I, my meds i haven't been taking them I'm getting diagnosed in 10 days. I'll have answers for you. But for right now, I'm just all over the place. So we stopped production until we were able to get to a place where she was comfortable enough to come back and be like, all right, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm, I have my medication and then we're in a good place. So like, how, how do you ideally address somebody that's going through something like that?
3: Yeah. And this is something um that i I had talked about in one in a workshop that i had put on a a mental health workshop uh it's difficult to to have these conversations and just like you i i had a very difficult time bringing this up to my wife because i didn't want to offend her and all these things and it took it took me to say like hold up like i'm doing her a disservice by not saying anything this is you know this is my person I need to say something uh, and quite frankly the the best way to navigate is is to be direct um I know in the back of our minds at times we're wondering like are we gonna offend them are we gonna hurt them what's gonna happen and yeah things things may happen at least we know that something was said about it things were everything is put on the table um so it's just us getting comfortable
1: being uncomfortable mm. you have something to say no Cool. cool. Um, so with that being said, um, I've, would you say, Julian, there are telltale signs that a person is in, you know, and what is it technically considered, right? is Are they manic or in a bipolar state? Like, what's right. the proper term to use? Because that's the other part we want to do with the show is yeah. properly address and, you know, um, grow our vernacular as it relates to the mental health space right so with bipolar
3: disorder there's there's two types it's one and two uh essentially both both of them consist of having uh you have to have met the uh criteria for major depressive disorder and you also have uh hypomanic or or manic state that's that elevated period that grandiosity the um risk-taking behaviors uh and that's typically that goes through uh certain periods so um I think uh, that uh, the media and TV shows and, and just like kind of like colloquial talking, we we have misrepresented what bipolar disorder is. We think that it's it's a uh, back and forth. That that's what we would consider. That's a specifier called rapid cycling, which is extremely rare according to research. Uh, so, what bipolar disorder looks like typically is like someone will have a period of depression, right, and um, you know, we, we know what depression can look like. It's different between anyone, and sometimes, uh, at times, they have a, a hypomanic or a, a manic episode. Which is um, the hypomanic, uh, the best way to put it is um, it's a little less severe than a full-blown manic uh, episode. It's less it's less of that criteria. Um, so that that's what bipolar disorder is. It's not someone just flipping you know the switch off and on. It's it's going through these periods of depression and hypomania or mania. It's it, it doesn't really go back and forth.
1: And so are people typically going through is it like a wave, like ebbs and flows, or it I, I guess yeah. Is, is yeah. it like an ebb and flow okay. depending on what's going on? Yeah, on, on
3: average, I would say that's a good way to to put it. It's an ebb and flow. Like, you know, of course, uh, there's a period where you're okay. Like, you know, you're pretty stable, th- depending on the type of work you're doing, like therapy and or uh, medication. But it, it typically like ebbs and flows, you know, again, going, having that depressive period and then maybe being okay and then kind of having some manic symptoms and kind of going back. But that's a typical progression of it.
0: Okay. Yeah. And it's like... um there's sometimes there's triggers that sometimes like um once you know it and you pay attention um there are things that i don't usually do like about a month ago i woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and clean everything just randomly clean everything mm-hmm. message page we was on i think we were on um what's the the app it's not cookout whatever the uh, app house, is house, clubhouse. clubhouse. yes we were on clubhouse listening to stuff having a whole conversation and then i was like oh shit is
3: coming.
0: So, <laughs> you felt okay, it. So what's going to happen? When is it going to happen? And then boom, the low. So now, I, now that I know that this is happening, I can make a note and then make sure I um, let my psychiatrist know. And then she wants to know what all was happening at that time. Mm-hmm. What happened? What was the trigger? What was the catalyst uh, for the low? And then um, one of the things I saw that was common was, when people are diagnosed with a uh, bipolar disorder or mania, um, any either severity of mania is to get with a cognitive behavioral therapist. And so um, cognitive behavior therapists help you work through the mindset, work through the thought processes that kind of triggered the bipolar, the mania in the first place. So now you go through those ebbs and flows, you feel it coming because, you know, you start doing those things and then have to mentally kind of reprogram your brain in addition to medicine because medicine has been mm-hmm. like being on the meds. And I was literally coming off a period where I was like, not only did I not have a meds, but I had did some research because, you know, the internet is out there and I had this stack of uh, vitamins and uh, mm-hmm. uh, supplements that I was going to take because they're the same thing. It's the SSRI. So I should be good. I was not good. Me and was canceling meetings left and right, because I just could not. Right. He just could not. And then mistakenly diagnosed. And now everything's flowing. We have productive meetings. Everything, like, it's night and day.
1: So, you know? let, me, so let me ask you a question, Ashley. Like, um, so one of the things that I've been trying to do is journal, right? Like, because um, I'm, I'm working through some things. And. Figure journaling, whether it's a voice memo or just writing it down, I get to kind of reflect on it at the end of the week. Um, have you guys tried journaling to see whether or not you can see where you were up, down, where you were angry, why you were angry? Because you know, a lot of times we don't get a chance to go back in time to see, like, oh, at that point there was so mm-hmm. much going on that that what that's what led. Because, like I said, let me go back to you, Antonio. A lot of the times, right? Um, you know, it's the things that you couldn't control that pushed you to that limit. Like looking back now, and, and not to say your diagnosis bipolar, but like you had anger management issues, right? Yeah. And you know, similarly, were you able to go back and look like look back and be like, I could have probably addressed that differently. Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely. I mean, I, it was weird as I, I kind of. I kind of think a part of it, too, was also my maturity level. I mean, not just, I mean, like, overall, like, age, but uh, emotional maturity, mm-hmm. you know, like, just being able to, like, process everything. And I think that, I don't know, maybe I think it's the ways that I was, you know, kind of brought up by fire, the best way to deal with it, the best way to deal with things with rage, and, you know, like, I mean, and you get, to, I mean, obviously, you get to a point besides the, besides the therapy, where you're like, I mean, I can't do this all the time. I can't, like, I physically, I can't physically do it. One, that's just the law. Two, like, it's it's a strain on me just carrying it, you know? Like, just, I mean, and three, and probably most important, it doesn't make me happy in the long run, and, like, hurting people or hurting things. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be there. So, I mean, I think that, I don't. I, I think the easy cop out would be to say that I was a product of my environment, and uh, I think that going through those issues, going through those things, and kind of recapping in therapy, uh, I think it really helped get me to where I'm at now. Nice. I mean, really just kind of building from it, and just I think facing just facing uh, truths, you know, just mm-hmm. like okay, this is that, well, this is how we got to deal with it, and I mean it. <laughs> what the to to say it minimally i think the more you do and the better you do in life the easier it is to deal with it and i, I mean and i say that and like now there's bigger risk when i'm 19 mm-hmm. and i'm 20 and i'm 21 right. and i'm not thinking past next week right and uh i'm broke all the time and i'm a college student and i'm like it's easy to not think about like what is the repercussion for my actions because i'm not mm-hmm. even thinking past next week right
1: plus at that time you're playing football it's all testosterone all aggression so you either and and at this point you know by the time we met you were kind of off the team well not off the team but you weren't really playing
2: yeah I was phasing out right I was phasing out and that's another part too man is that like I mean that was a that was big I mean when you do something your entire life and then you get put on a pedestal, like being at a top 20 football school and then all of a sudden you can't do it no more Mm-hmm. it's almost like you lose your sense of purpose yeah and and then you're just I mean kind of this up in a whirlwind of like okay well what is my purpose what I'm trying to do the structure that I mean you're really like a, you're really like a machine yeah. yeah so you're structured all day everything is by a schedule like I'm meeting at this time I gotta lift at this time I gotta class at this time I gotta go practice this time and then when that structure goes and then your sense of self-worth goes and not to mention you know you've been running into people at full force trying to knock their head off <laughs> and uh plus the age and the environment you're like mm-hmm. you're all over yeah, and i think yeah and as you get older i think for me besides obviously well, first and foremost was the actual therapy and help. Mm-hmm. but like as you get older you're like yeah the stakes are higher <laughs> you know like the state you think twice sticks, and three yeah. times about it uh, oh yeah <laughs> i mean like even uh not too long ago man i felt tried and i'm looking at them and then i'm like but now i'm analyzing a bunch of different things i'm like mm-hmm. okay well it's past 2020 so you can really get shot for no reason mm-hmm. like you can get shot for not i mean you can get shot for nothing then mm-hmm. but like i think like that mental health hold on people in society being kind of bunkered down for a year and a half really did a number on people so now you can get really get shot for honking the, it's like if I honk the horn at somebody man you might catch a yeah, bullet so now i'm like and then I gotta like sit, analyze, take a deep breath. And I'm like, then I kind of I try to rationalize it in my head. I'm like, well, what what am I gonna lose for waiting another three minutes for this dude to make this turn? What am I gonna do by waiting another two minutes? Or like or like, hey, you know, this dude got an attitude. Realistically, what do I gotta prove to anybody? I'm never gonna see this guy again in my life. Who cares? Like I'll be, I'll be a punk. In that aspect, I'm like, bro, like who Maybe get ran up on by your dudes, and maybe get stabbed, or shot, or jump for what? I don't even care anymore. I'm never gonna see you again. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know you, and I've really put myself in almost like a bubble where, like, even the people I deal with on a daily basis, like, we're all on the same stuff. I mean, I talk to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to I talked to Jay. Like when he's doing, you know he's not being you was know, a mad scientist. I talked to him, but, but like I, t- I, I talked to people that I've noticed. Like it's almost like the herd things out. Right, right. Like you're only really dealing with people just like you. Right. And those people hopefully push you to like do more and do better.
1: Right. right. So and, yeah. And and not do more in the sense of distracts you from what you need to work on yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of push you to work on yourself um and make sure that because I mean. You know, we look back at our younger selves and you're like, man, we could have done things a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So she didn't um, know. Yeah. And
2: then and, and that and another part of it, the the biggest part of it really like, and that and I just it just dawned on me really is the acceptance part. Accepting mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Accepting you, accepting you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And like there's certain things that like you just couldn't get around. Like right. you were nineteen, you were like, damn, if I'd have did this and I could have did that different, but you mm-hmm. were a baby. I mean, I want to say what the frontal lobe of the of the male brain doesn't fully develop to your what, 25? Right. Mm-hmm. Like the decision-making factor of the brain. So you're not mm-hmm. even really an adult till you're like 25, 27. Yeah, so in between time, you're really just like a machine with like a with a with a, with a P in there doing whatever. Yum, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
0: So I do have a question. So um because you mentioned it, um, I understand that you were you kind of were using that project product of your um your your Environment. environment um thing and i know we've all been paying attention to the news lately um that on top of black people's issue mental health on on top of the diaspora translated slave trade all of those things and then now we're I don't want to go too deep into it because I really don't want to change the tone too much. Um, with all of that and all of the stress and drama, um, that's triggering. I made a mistake and watched the video yesterday and literally had to like go and do a meditation because I'm like, wait, I don't need this right now. I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do, how do we continue to combat the stigma of mental health while also knowing that the trigger is just it can be seeing somebody seeing one of them or just fearing like any day could be the day I step out uh, outside of my apartment and that's the day. Uh,
2: uh, I think that it's one of the things where like, I hate to, I hate to say it, but you can't save everybody, oh, you know, like you can't like, um, I was just even not even mental health it was something i was i was talking to my friend about and he's like "Man, you know i really I'm trying to lose weight and trying to get in the gym and i'm like i'm like so go and he's like uh i'm gonna get to it and i'm like well okay well I, and my man was like bro like why don't you take him with you i'm like why am i gonna take somebody that doesn't really i mean they say they want to go right they really don't want to go mm-hmm. and until they want to go like for me to get to this point, like I had to want to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I had to want to do that. I had to put the effort and the steps in order for me to get to this point. So the reality is, is that like, I, I mean, I, I I'll, I'll talk about it, and I'm, and and it, it might make people uncomfortable, but sometimes you know, like mental health is one of the things that's like it's almost like the hidden secret that we all deal with.
1: Yeah. There's mm-hmm. really
2: no way around it, and yeah. and then in some form or fashion, we're dealing with something, and you know our, our, our community really ostracizes and makes yeah. it, hella, makes a hell taboo. So,
3: and another thing, Tone, just to, to go off of what you're saying, to put another word to it, vulnerability, right? I think, Absolutely. I think that is, is the key in reducing the stigma. So, um, you know, shows like this, right? Saying, yeah, I have bipolar disorder. You deal with that. Like, I, I've dealt with depression. I'm still on, you know, meds for depression, and I still and I treat people doing that, and I'm not ashamed of it, and just being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, um, and normalizing it. I think that's gonna be. It's just it's a work in progress, but as you know, if, if all of us continue to be vulnerable and and lend an ear to one another. I think we'll start to see that stigma
1: within our communities decrease over time. Yeah, and and I want to add something to what Tone was saying and kind of take it in a, maybe a little different direction. Like we can't protect everyone from being triggered, right? Like some people have to work through that in order to be able to heal. Like, you know, it's like, you know, riding a bike. If you only think about falling right? You're never going to learn how to really ride a bike because part of the process of learning how to ride a bike, you know, unless you have a really mean parent, right, <laughs> is look, you're going to fall, but you got to get back up and keep going. And mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think maybe last season, you know, one of our guests was like, you know, I really wish you would have asked us, you know, harder questions because, you know, I think the audience needs to know more. And our response was, we were afraid of asking something that would have triggered the past trauma,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And that's a that's a it's a weird place for us to live, because we're not sure of what we're gonna say that's gonna trigger the person. Right. But at the same time, it's like, is it are we doing our our audience justice? Avoiding conversations that could potentially trigger something,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right?
3: No, I and I I appreciate that you say this. One one uh, approach that I have like just a a mind frame. Let's say anyone's dealing with any type of trauma. Um, Whatever you're saying is not going to hurt them more than they've been hurting themselves, right? Mm Because they're thinking about it all the time for the most part or majority of the time. So yeah, if you say something, sure, it might trigger up those emotions, but it's unlikely that you bringing up this topic is going to cause more harm because it's already happening. Mm -hmm. So not being afraid to, to bring up, uh, you know, these, these topics, uh, is is important. And I understand, like, we, we try our best to like, always, uh, I've talked about this, like, it's always good for people to uh, approach others from a trauma informed perspective, which means like, you're assuming someone else has, has dealt with the trauma, but that's, that's where you ask, you know, you ask questions, you be curious, you're curious, you know, try to learn about people. I, that's, that's what seems to be, you know, very helpful, but like avoiding it altogether, with we're, we're also doing the masses of disservice, uh, just because we're afraid that someone might be triggered. It, it, it is, uh, it is difficult, but, um, I, I think that, you know, again, we just, we just gotta be more curious, more inquisitive and just genuine, right? Like I'm
2: asking these things to help you and to help myself. Mm-hmm. I kind of—it's funny because we were talking about numbers, and uh, there's something that we obviously we all have in common is we have a certain degree of higher education. Right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm learning though too, and I kind—it kind of goes back to what I said about not being able to save everybody. Mm-hmm. You were, uh, Jules, you're talking about numbers in the beginning. You're talking about three percent of people of color are actually in, in the field. And what's wild is that, like, I'll break it down even more, and it's something that really kind of blew my mind the other day because I was reading something about like. Um, about the average asset income of black households like compared to their white counterparts. I think it's like 125 for a white family to like $17,500. Mm. So just to break this down more in America, we make up about 13% of the U.S. population. Us on this call right now, we make up about seven, five to seven percent of that population because we actually went further than hospital. Mm. On top of that, for those, I mean, I mean, Jules is like a is like a white spotted owl, man, because he's like (laughs) two percent of 13 percent of the entire population. So having said that, having a certain degree of higher education is more inclining you because either I mean, you either went somewhere to do it or even if you did it online, you've had to do you have to learn how to teach yourself. That's essentially what it is. So you're more inclined to be like, you know what? I'm realizing I have a problem. I realize I have to look into this problem in or to fix myself and take a step. So now we have another nine percent of the population of our already small community as a whole that hasn't. They won't and they haven't, they haven't had, they haven't had the privilege to be able to do that for whatever reason. So they have to go about when we're talking about program environment, they stayed in that and didn't. So now it's like how do we you know how do we help them out how do we it's kind of like almost you have to go back in to right. it right and pull them out because like it's funny because we were talking about like the people you keep the people like in my circle how i talk to my friends that from around away like my environment and i'll talk about things like this i'm like yo man i know you've really been going through it You i about talking to a the therapist what you thought i Call their mom a p-word. <laughs> you would think that like I really hurt them, and I'm like, bro, like, what's the issue? And then you have to, and, and then you have to like almost deconstruct that thing. Yes. And you're like, well, bro, like you haven't even really been exposed mm-hmm. to that because right. as soon as you were done, either you went through what you went through, and then you started working, and that's what you've been doing, right? right? You haven't been even been exposed to different groups of people. You might mm-hmm. not have even left the block. You might have left the, the city. Right. right. So then how am i it's really it's an like exposure it's exposure time but it's really mm-hmm. weird because like i said just to talk to your numbers point you don't realize until you put the numbers together and you're like damn like we're really we're really like almost elitist in this aspect um mm-hmm. like and we don't even realize it because all of our conversations are with each other like we're having this conversation with each other and we're all kind of <laughs> like okay we all we all already grasp these mm-hmm. concepts right but you don't mm-hmm. realize that like we have nine percent of the population that's like.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what, that brings me to, to something. So I had a conversation earlier today, um, a colleague of mine um, it, within the community that I'm, I'm in, in the tech space, reached out was like, yo, I need to talk to you. And, you know, just listening to him talk, he identified himself just by his job. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I'm not having a good time with my job, this, that, and the other. So, you know, me not, a therapist but just asking basic questions like hey like what's your life like outside of work right because your job doesn't technically identify you and you know i was like and he would give me these other things that like busy things to do and i was like are you happy right and i think it was the first time anybody asked him that he was like no i've been in a really bad place i was like um All right let's take a couple of steps back you're talking about your job they're not treating you the right way you're talking about clients that you have on the side hustle is not treating you the right way um have you taken inventory of what are some things that i could have done to improve all of those situations Number two um have you asked yourself like what is it that i can control um it's it was it was you got to realize that there are things that you can control right and the things that you can control you can determine how, how you react to people based on what they say to you. And I was like, and like, long story short, I got to him, I talked to him, I was like, have you ever thought of talking to somebody like a specialist? He's like, no, no, I I don't think, I was like, by the sounds of things, you're not happy with your job, you're not happy with your side hustle, you're not happy with life, maybe you should talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, he was like, because I <laughs> actually said something really, um, something that sounded like it triggered him. I was like, look, your employer doesn't really give a fuck about you. He just wants he just wants you to produce, do your job, and because we're African American, we're expected to do twice as much work as our counterparts. And you're lucky because a black woman has to work four times as hard to make sure that they can be acknowledged like their counterparts. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you're like the second person that told me they don't give a fuck about me. I'm like, look, they don't care about black boy joy. Yeah. Right. It's like you (laughs) got to figure out how to make that work. You got to figure out how to make you happy before you expect the job to appreciate you the way they want to. I'm like, look, go into your job. You got to work twice as hard. If they're not training you, go figure out how to do the thing yourself. If your clients aren't, you know, treating you a particular way, you don't need them. You know what I mean? I I think a lot of times the best thing I got out of therapy was control what you can control. Everything and everybody around you, uh, you can't do nothing about that. How you react to people, how you treat people, how you progress in life is really kind of on you. Now, the other sides of things, when they react, you can't you can't expect somebody to say no when you gave when you ask for a raise. I bet you either stay or you go find another job. I mean, there's there are different ways to react to it. So, I, I say all that to say is like, you're you're right. Like he's from a particular town. He's never left the town. And his perspective is, everybody's doing this. Why am I not?
2: Yeah. And I think it's something I tell clients, too, man. And this is might throw everybody off. Is selfishness is not bad. Like, I mean, I deal with, I'm in an industry where, I'm in an industry where kids that come that come from adjunct poverty, excuse me, come from adjunct poverty, literally win the lottery. Like, literally, it's like, I know where I'm going to get picked at. And then when I hit that number, 16, 17, I'm guaranteed, like, I don't know, $15 million. Mm-hmm. Coming from a house, we've never, where no one in the house made more than 20, mm. right? So the first thing, and it's something I think that we all, people of color, I think we're all guilty of. And it's only because we're we're minimized so much societally, is that, like, we always want to reach back and help. We always want to help, so we always, we're like, it's almost like a trigger, because our counterparts won't. Right. Like there's, they're, they're kind of built on a society where there is tiers, there's upper class, middle class. If you're not up there, then we are going to talk about. But I think what I really try to perpetuate and it kind of throws them off, I'm like, yo, bro, selfishness is good to the degree. Because if you're not selfish with yourself, who you are, your brand, your finances, your mm-hmm. mental health. Who's no looking out for you? To, mm-hmm. Yeah, No one else is going to be. You're right. gonna, everyone around is going to pull and take and pull and take and now you look up five years later. You're being audited you ain't got no money and you're not in the nfl anymore because the average lifespan is what two and a half years yeah. so all right now i've been doing this and i've been putting a pedestal for my entire life and doing it at the most highest professional level i was getting paid a million dollars to play a game like a game like we're not cracking atoms here we're not cutting people open mm-hmm. we're playing a game and i'm getting paid millions of dollars and overnight i'm done mm-hmm. and now i'm just regular, whoever, and my mental health is shot. My finances are shot. I wasn't selfish at all. So to your point, I think it's something that we actually have to, we have to get rid of the stigma of what selfishness is, Mm -hmm. right? And I think we have to be selfish with ourselves because if we don't, no one else is going to be. Like you're not, if I'm not selfish about my mental health, like I'm going to take this time for me to work on me to do better and this is how I'm going to do it. (laughs) no one care the people that you work for don't care they're looking for the product you know like and so definitely
1: and I, I like that point so i i you know travel tuesday happy hour yep shameless plug so on my on my travel show i try to understand how people move around right and i like to travel in groups primarily because the trip is organized i don't have to worry about no planning but um luckily for me a lot of their groups we kind of convene over either a Zoom meeting before we jump on, before we go on a trip. And I, I typically tell everybody, look, I may disappear from time to time because I tip I need time to myself. And because I get overstimulated and I shut down. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not shut down in front of a whole bunch of strangers than just all right, take myself back to my room and recharge. So Same thing, that's yeah. that's definitely important that you know, even if you're traveling as a group, you don't need to be with them 24-7. If you're in a, you know, I know Ashley talked about going to a networking event and I can't imagine how her anxiety was like on a thousand. Mm. Oddly enough, when I do these things, my anxiety is on a thousand, but I, I, I have to fight through it. I have to work through it. You know what I mean? We can't continue to avoid things that like Julian said, make us uncomfortable because only then do we grow and, and become better versions of ourselves
3: and and if i also uh may interject there another thing that's important to ask ourselves and and our friends who am i who who are you and uh, that's another question that we're not we're not asked you know we don't know who we are what we do what we like right what makes us happy unhappy and just getting getting to know ourselves developing a relationship with ourselves is Is a good place for us to start, just asking that question. We can, you know, write it on. I had I typically have like at the second session, almost all of my patients, I do this. I ask them, I want you to go home, write who am I on the top of the paper and let it flow. Mm. And and we go from there because not only do I get to know about them, but they get to really know about themselves. And it's,
1: you know, three words that can make a big difference. Mm. Right. So um, I wanna kind of, and this has been amazing. I appreciate you all for jumping on. Um, I wanna kind of continue with um, this next question, which is how do we continue to educate our community around the different levels or the different like aspects of mental health, right? Whether it be mm. disorders, illnesses, like how do we continue to do that? Cause it would, it would be amazing to have brothers like yourselves kind of create articles or, you know, join shows like the State of the Black Men's Mental Health, um, another shameless plug, where we kind of continue to talk about things. And, you know, Julian, being able to increase our um, vernacular around mental health is very key. Because, you know, disorder may not be the proper term used for everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Illness may not be the proper thing used for everything. So I think, one that's that's one thing i think we need to find what are better ways that we can do to educate the community around just mental health in general
3: yeah and and um you know uh one of my lbs and i when we put on that workshop we tried our best to kind of deconstruct what depression looks like anxiety um, you know, substance misuse, what that looks like, even educating people like, yeah, you know, now we don't say substance abuse, we say misuse, right? Because mm-hmm. the abuse in the case that you're doing something, something wrong, wrong when there's yeah. the actual issue there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like for, I, I'll speak for myself. I think, well, like what I can do is, is that, like deconstruct what it looks like, how it appears, so that we can be, uh, just on the lookout for those for those signs and um another thing we talked about too I think you just mentioned it is like how, how do we get help um there's so many different levels of their therapists right the uh, licensed mental health counselors marriage and family therapists social workers psychologists and psychiatrists and knowing what they all do um so i i again just to come back around like if if I'm I'm speaking just for myself, I think it's my responsibility to just take what I know and deconstruct it and make it just make it easier for all of us to understand instead of being uh, afraid of of all of these terms and and even going to a therapist and just educating people on who who does what and simply saying like do there doesn't need to be anything wrong to work on yourself either you can see a therapist just because it's like you know i just i just want to talk to someone just to gain more insight um these are all the things that that we can do and all the ways that we can utilize it so uh it, it but it can it can be difficult for like you know just the the average person right like you see all these bipolar disorder and this and depression um I don't know exactly what type of like database or website we can go to because you know if we go on the internet you look up depression automatically you have stage three cancer and something <laughs> <that>. <laughs> so, <laughs> i don't have i don't have an answer for that but you know maybe that's maybe that's another project right like really deconstructing what it looks like just to, to better educate people
1: yeah and we would definitely love to partner with you um your grad chapter in kind of you know, doing something together where we can kind of like continue that conversation. Uh, I know our fraternity has uh, a mission and we could probably, that could be something we could take over to the state of the Black man's mental health, where we can have a safe space for men to be able to talk about these different things. Because let's be honest, between the, the, um, the community not accepting it, men being tuned with their emotions, men being tuned with their selves being able to be selfish. Um, that's definitely something that's difficult, right? Um, because you know, what's, what you tell me, something's wrong with you. You're supposed to be the strongest person in the household, but you mm-hmm. have a disorder or you have something it makes you on. automatically weak. It makes you automatically weak. And that's another way that society finds a way to emasculate the black men. You know what I mean? And so I would definitely love to kind of sit down with you and see if we could plan out the next session. Yeah, and and kind of go from there. And,
3: and I, another, oh, just just to throw this in there, something that we can do starting now, instead of saying, you know, like I have bipolar disorder, I have depression. We can talk about like I struggle with these types of issues. I struggle with depression and mania, right? Like not not using the word disorder, not using mm-hmm. all of these buzzwords, but just letting people know exactly what it is that you're struggling with. So that you can better relate to people. I struggle with, you know, not not sleeping for three days at a time and still being super active. It's like me too. It's like you could connect with someone like that as opposed to saying, "Yeah, I'm manic." They may not know what really what that looks like. So, yeah, that's vulnerability. A
2: way. Vulnerability is big, man. I think. Yeah. It's funny. Me and uh, yeah. me and one of Jules' uh, line brothers actually in a, we're in a text group, and. Uh, one thing that I've noticed that we've all been doing is really just like, yo, how's your mental? Mm-hmm. Very simple question. Like, yo, how's your mental, man? How, like, how? Because it's funny because you think about like what do dudes talk to each other about? Yeah. And the last, bad. yeah, <laughs> absolutely, like, the, like, the, like the the big three or four, right? <laughs> so besides that, like, I mean, I think that us, I mean, obviously, having the advantage of being in that space, we're all kind of in the, thinking the same way, and we kind of all move the same way. Yeah. It's a little thing of like, yo, man, how's your mental going? Mm. I was like, well, well, like, cause, and you'd be surprised how people will open up.
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) Yes, like, like, because people aren't usually even they're not used to being even asked that by like their significant other in the house. Like, how's your mental? You know, like, what you know, whatever, man. How's your mind? Like, funny thing, like, we literally we got in this. There's like twelve of us in the group chat, and like, I learned that like. Out of twelve of us, four of our mothers were incarcerated,
0: Mm. which
2: is wild because we didn't. And I've been friends with you. I've known these people since what, two thousand six, and I didn't. And I've lived with some of them, lived next to some of them, and I'm like, damn, why I never thought about you. Like we we share, and it's funny because we share common traits, even little things that we do Mm -hmm. because of coming from these certain things, and just by asking, like, yo, how have you been? how's your mental and certain topics coming up? And we're just like, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Or like, yeah, no, I feel that way. And you're like, damn, I even know. I know your mom went to college too, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like right. I mean, you don't realize these things. And so I think the big thing is just being verbal, man. Just asking a simple question. And it's not a, sometimes I feel like the easiest answer is the most obvious answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, How you doing? How's your mental? i mean, I'll just ask that. Like, how's your mental? Like, how you feeling? Yeah. Good? I mean, tell me how you feeling.
1: And the crazy part is, um, and not crazy, the, the odd part is um, there's this trend on, on social media, you know, um, show me a time you, where you were at your lowest. Mm. And people are just dropping, like they're, they're turning up and everything is happening. But, you know, that was the point that they were lowest because, you know, we got to maintain the appearances, right? And regardless of what we're going through, a lot of us have to maintain a particular appearance. Um, I remember reaching out to one of the brothers, um who I, I periodically hit him up just to see how he's doing. Um, and he was like, yo, bro, I'm in, like, a bad place right now. I'm, I'm working through some things, lost family members. I was like, dang, like, I need to reach out more often just to check up on people. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's easy to be in somebody's town, like, yo, dog, like, what's going on? Where's the up? But, like, just to ask a, per- a person, how are you doing? Like, no, nah, like, really, how are you doing? Like, like check up on your big, good friends. Like yes. we all think our, our good friends are good, like, or our strong friends are good. You know, don't hesitate to reach out and be like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Because like you said, a simple question like that, go like, that can be like a 15 second conversation or a two hour conversation. <laughs> or a, two hour conversation. Yeah, you, you a lot of
3: us, I was gonna say, a lot of us are, are resilient, right? And then we look at, like you say, you know, you check up on your good friends. Resiliency is exhausting. So, yeah, I know whatever is thrown at me, I know I'm going to be good because I've faced it before and I, you know, I have a framework to handle it. That doesn't take away from the fact that while it's happening, I'm exhausted, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. Like, you know, we need uh, to, to lean on each other just to vent, to get it out. So I, I really appreciate that you that you said that because um that's that's another group of people that go uh unheard right the, the people right. who are good
2: yeah and and, and like I, I keep saying that but like you would really be shocked house because people you know people are guarded mm-hmm. but if, especially if you know someone for years you'd be shocked by just asking how are like how's your mental how you feeling mm-hmm. you would be shocked at like how much people actually want to unpack that shit yeah, especially like if they are not seeing someone professionally mm-hmm. and there is that degree of trust. Cause you've known them for like almost two decades. They're very quick to be like, well, let me tell you mm-hmm. what the hell is going on with me. And you're like, and then you're just like,
1: and that could change everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, that's a yeah. huge
1: burden that they've been carrying and like just something that they've been carrying for themselves. And now that you're at least able to talk about it, cause, and that's, and you know, that that's a great segue. Cause that's kind of what this show is about. Right. Is, providing people Mm -hmm. with a safe space to be able to kind Mm -hmm. of have these conversations to let it out. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we, we, we touch on topics that we know people are going through or have someone in their lives has gone through it and are able to talk about it. Right. And showing our, our people that throughout the diaspora, there's nothing wrong with seeking help. There's nothing wrong with talking about what you're going through because Mm -hmm. you never know who else is going through it. That, See themselves in you, yes, and so with that being said, um, I definitely appreciate you both for joi- joining the show. Um, Ashley, you want to wrap up? Um,
0: I appreciate
1: y'all too. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> thank y'all so much for joining. I appreciate your vulnerability. I can't wait to um, catch that episode of The State of the Black Men's uh, Mental Health. Um, before we, before I start my wrap-up, do y'all have anything coming up that you want to share with uh, the viewers? Any um,
3: Anything? Nothing in particular now.
0: No. Okay. Okay. Oh. okay. Just making sure I give y'all the opportunity um, before we see y'all again Thank next month on the state of Black men's mental health. Um, next week, we're going to have our debut episode of um, the Women's Series, which is going to be the Wellness Collective. Um, If you know a sister, let her know, tune in. We're going to be talking about um, some good stuff. Uh, Graphics coming soon. Um, Again, thank you all very much for tuning in. And one last reminder, anybody watching, if you have not subscribed to the channel, please subscribe to the channel, turn your notifications on so you can catch all of these good shows. You can catch this um, symposium we're going to have when we get with Dr. Vibes and uh, do this uh, breaking down of, talking about uh mental health thank you latoya for tuning in um thank all of y'all for tuning in we'll see y'all again in two weeks this has been getting my cheese back on my cracker
1: all right y'all take care thank take care